February 5, 2023. It's a Wife for Show. Coltrane laat hierop volgen. Bovendien word ik zelf op die manier geïnspireerd. En ik kan onmogelijk in termen denken zoals Elvin Jones dat doet op zijn drums, Jamie Garrison op zijn bas en McCoy Tyner aan de piano. Daarom ook laat ik mijn wil op het ogenblik niet te veel prevaleren. Sunday started off the show. John Coltrane talked to Michael DeRoyter more about working with this quartet on December 1st, 1962. And then we had, appropriately enough, intro from Curly Brown because of those software engineers in Estonia with their Skype invention I got with me. Chris Pizzolo, welcome aboard, Chris. Thanks for having me, Watt. How are you? Uh, I'm glad to be speaking with you. Now, can you bring us your earliest musical memory? Yes, sir. Um, probably growing up in my um, with my parents, and there's a lot of music in the house. I, I, I just had this like memory of listening to a lot of Tom Petty as a kid uh, growing up and, and, and doing that thing. And, and my mom would listen to a lot of like Gloria Estefan and clean the house on Saturday nights and throw little dance parties in, in the room with me. I remember that really vividly. And what about this pad you grew up in? Was there musical, grew, was there musical instruments? Yeah, like sort of, man. I, I grew up in Queens in, in, in New York, and uh, my dad was a musician. Ramones, actually how it, right? Ramones were Queens, I think. They were Queens guys, yeah. And actually, funny enough, Monty Milnick was the sound guy for the Ramones, and he wound up, uh, he was a tour manager for them. For them I for know all, all about Monty. I didn't couldn't remember his last name, but... <laughs> know his first name he was a <laughs> yeah, little Monty. notorious when we played with black flag both of us opening for ramones at the palladium black flag got half the pa we got one quarter <laughs> that's a Monty thing <laughs> and then Monty said minute man there's not enough room backstage so you guys go in that little side room and i don't know if you ever seen the cover of that book hank wrote get in the van but that's where they came in they came in through our with their shields and their sticks 
Yeah, that's a trip. What about Monty? That's a trip. So Monty, man, uh, yeah, you brought up the Ramones, and Monty, Monty was, is a Queens guy. And funny enough, when I was in my early twenties, my girl was my wife now, my girlfriend at the time, Sarah and I, we would film these videos of bands coming up, and we did it at um, it's called the New York Hall of Science Museum. It's this cool, trippy little museum in Queens. And Monty is like the AV guy there. This is going back like 10 years now. I don't know if he's still there, but at the time he was there. Whoa. And we would be recording these videos. And he's like, you know, I was I was the Ramones sound guy and tour manager. For, I was like, what? And so what a trip, man. Oh, yeah, he was notorious. I think maybe Johnny Thunders. I mean, maybe some of the Dolls were Queens guys, too. They could have been. Yeah. They could have been very well. But anyway, so you said there were some instruments in the pad. But did you jump on well, any of those? Yeah, my my old man was a was a keyboardist. He played he played a lot like in a cover band when he was a teenager. But he sold all his instruments to buy like a Cadillac or something. He, he sold all his his gear to to buy a car before I was born. So we didn't have instruments, but we had the presence in the house. And funny enough, when I was a kid, I had this toy guitar. And my best friend at the time, Izzy, um, we're talking like said, these plastic dealios, like like fishing line strings and shit, right? Hundred <laughs> percent, yeah. If, if that, you know what I mean? It might have been like a plastic touch thing or something. But yeah, man, um, he said, man, the guitar is cool. Oh, you mean Why like no strings? You just fucking touch buttons or shit? It, it, it might have been some shit like that. Okay. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't remember. It, I can't remember. But he said, he said, here, man, here's the deal. I'll play this guitar, and you go get a bass. And I said, well, that sounds like a great idea. And uh, how old? And so how I, old? I was about twelve, or because so I'm about thirteen. At twelve, you knew what a fucking bass was. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. And so here's the trick. Oh, so, okay. so I, I remember. I remember going into my mom's bathroom. She was like smoking a cig in the bathroom at twelve, and I said, "Hey, mom, I want a bass." And she said, "Well, why not a guitar?" And I said, "I don't know." And and uh, and anyway, I, I oh, you didn't said, want well, to tell her you were following orders, huh? A hundred percent, man. So I wound up. So she wound up surprising me for my thirteenth birthday. Oh, she then got she, me this it, little present. Okay, bitches. Yeah. So 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 they got me this little squire bass, and uh, and I took it really seriously from a young age, man. I I, I well, well, let me I go the, back a little further. What about? In the school, like the choir or the marching band or shit like that, did you do anything of that stuff? No, I, a little bit. Like when I was in middle school, I, I had this this teacher named Mrs. Rice, and uh, she used to call me Crispy, like Rice Crispy, because my name is Crispy. And and uh, and I wasn't very good. I, I played the violin or something like that for like a week and like the recorder, but but not not okay. like you know not to any any degree of Chris, skill. Chris, let me ask sure. you what record you bought with your own money, first one. Man, first record I bought with my own money. It's weird. I, I want to say it might have been like Weird Al. I might have bought like no, a Weird Al. No, I've had cats on the show say that. You know, a lot of people, Dr. Demento was the gateway drug to the fucking movement over here. Believe it totally. or not. In the middle 70s. No. What, what about it, the man. first gig you saw? Oh, first gig I saw was, um, it was Steppenwolf. And uh, it was Steppenwolf and members of Deep Purple and like Robbie Krieger playing at the Westbury Music Fair in Long Island. That was also my fir first pair of breasts I ever saw in person, okay. funny enough. Well, probably your ma's when you were a boy. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> other. First, first other yeah. set of. Yeah, first, first pair. Not, yeah, not yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, you get this bass because your buddy, so he's got a plan. Do you start jamming at his pad? Not at all, man. He He bailed on the thing. So oh, I had fuck. <laughs> it was a blessing, man. It was a blessing. Oh, I, he yeah. got me this bass. And at that time, while I was like, I was about 13 years old. And my dad, 
he was a manual laborer, right? So he was he was out working in the middle of the night delivering bread to restaurants and and uh, and diners and stuff all through Brooklyn and, and New York. And one night, I remember that the job he had, he went to work and the fucking bakery was closed, man. They closed the doors and 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 he was out of work that night and he came home and he rented a U-Haul and he said, "Hey, you're coming with me." And I went and worked with him on weekends from like 13 to 17 years old in the, you know, in the middle of the night going through the hood and, and all these different neighborhoods. But at that time, that was when like, you know, the internet thing was first coming about. So I would burn CDs and he'd, he'd say, Hey, how do you, how do you burn music? How do you, how, you know, how, can you get this? And it was like, can you get black Sabbath? Can you get Led Zeppelin? Can you get Pink Floyd? And I never knew what it was. So I would download it, put it on a CD and him and I would listen to it in the middle of the night going through New York, you know, from like 11 at night to like seven in the morning, driving around, listening to, you know, paranoid and, and whole lot of love and just all that stuff. And that really built my love for like rock and roll and, and, and then the Chili Peppers and you guys and, and well, you know, let me ask you about the bass. This has something to do with that Squire bass, right? Hundred percent. Because what happened was, you know, as a kid, you sit around, and then he would put on those records, and I would just play along to him, you know, and figure out what they were doing and, and oh, how okay. to get that like. Because you said you got serious it. on it, and some people, when they say serious, they mean like they start taking lessons. I took I took some lessons, yeah, and 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 you know what, like you know, we know each other a little bit outside of me playing. It's more about you know I work I work you know in the in the biz, and and that's kind of my thing. But um, I took yeah, but it always helps when you're working with a cat like that who can relate to you because he's done a little bit of it too. Hundred percent, man, hundred percent. That's why I'm putting out this music too. Is is so. A little bit of like empathy for the musicians I work with, right? It's 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 important to make yourself vulnerable and put yourself out there. Yeah. So I feel like this right. is my uh, my offering. Or right, it's your turn. <laughs> it's your turn. Here, Chris, you gave me this. Uh, may I? With the question mark, very polite. Mother, may I stop giving her all my thanks and can I stop being so wrong to think it was ever your burden to bear? It was ever your job to care, so may I stop giving all my thanks. Brother, can I get a minute to think about you, them and I? I can't decide what comes next. Vengeance, pain, or pride I guess I could never decide I'm vengeance, pain, or pride I guess I could never decide
Black skies, part one. Flags push polluted air. There's no escape. Stone rises from its own destruction straight into the sky, bulldozed and reborn. It's a life and death dance. Listen to the heartbeat. Bass hits hard. Suits in a car. Pistol grip man gets popped in a land of no law. Emaciated skeletal faces, deep drilled veins in a needle wasteland. Watch the sunrise above concrete, cold streets with no heartbeat. The crime never stops. Fatherless homes and roaming mobs, dealing dreams in parking lots, crushed faces and windows, dogs with savage eyes. But misery into the night, misery into the night. As the city looks for love in a beggar's drinking cup, the dream is over. There's no escape. There's no escape.
isolamento.
show that chunk of music started off with curly brown doing may i and let, let the listeners know what you enlighten me to brother chris with that tune may i is about yeah man may I is about my mom um a lot of respect for family and and i recently did the flip and, and became a parent myself and and that's a trip and it you know it's a trip in a lot of ways um but that song is is a lot of respect and and love for 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 my moms and and for my family. Yeah, the moms were big with the Minutemen. All three helped us out big time. And also like mom and pop with the Black Flag, uh, Regis Skin and Uwe helping out. People don't know about that, but there was some help from the, the shift before us. After that was Kato Dickey with the uh, Fatigue. It's been re-released. Lewis. Distress featuring Steve Ignorant. Remember Steve Ignorant? He used to sing for, uh, what are those cats called? Uh, yeah, they had the, the, they, uh, the Banksy guy learned his art from these guys. Is that so? Yeah, what are they called? Uh, do they owe us a living? Crass, crass. Shit, my memory. Crass. And now Steve Ignorant, he's volunteer, uh, uh, fireman and, uh, a life saver guy goes out in the boats and rescues people. Luis Distress again, girl in the mirror. That's her alone without Mr. Ignorant. Good rap he did there. Death Tape Super Bass. Just had Brother Alex on, and he's got a brand new album. This is Speaker Brawl, tune off there. Sylvia Castell, Forme Imperceptibly. Uh, yeah, Sylvia Castell. How would I be? What would I do? That's brand new from Robert Lippick. E-C-C-O from Luke Stewart and Jarvis Earshaw Quartet. Great bass man. Out of Chicago. I think he just moved, though. Thank you, Zoe, for the turn on. 
Cunningham, vote Sarah. This is out of Barcelona. Mark Cunningham from the late great No Wave band Mars out of New York City. But he's been in uh, Barcelona a long time. Catalan people, right? The moment is the tune. Handsome furs after that from Finland. It's not me, it's you. In parentheses. And finally, Sick Walt with Punk Almighty. And back to our guest, Chris Pizzolo. Okay, so you got a new gig now, raising the next shift. Okay, that's Fired up about it. Well, yeah, I love yeah. it. So, what about after school, not graduating, Brother Chris, but this is afternoon time, the bedroom band, the basement band, the garage band. Did you get involved with shit like that? 100%, man. My best friend in the whole world was, was, uh, Paul Piabiab and him and I would, would, uh, would get together and, and, uh, and make just tons of noise in his parents' house in the, in the basement, in the bedroom, everywhere we could. He was the drummer. I was the, the bass player. And we were kind of trying to be like, you know, Flea and Chad at a young age. And, and so I was going to say Sly and Robbie. Yeah, totally Sly and Robbie too, man. We did that. We did that. We did that trip too, for sure. But For duets sure. are bitching. I mean, they go. They're they're in a lot of ways. You know, stand up. Uh, you know, with the fucking Laurel and Hardy, or or uh, Eric B. Rakim, Strong totally, Island. Man. Yeah, Strong Island. But there's something about you know somebody. I was invited on a sports show. You know that they they, they do the Dodgers and the guy has. Man, what are you trying to do with the base, Watt? So I'm thinking about the listeners in this kind of demographic, right? And so I'm thinking. How do I, I, I relate it to them without, you know, getting lost? So I said, basically, I'm trying to dance with the kick drum. Oh, okay. So I got through to him. <laughs> That's a good way to describe it, man. That's yeah, because it is trippy, it. right? Because some people, oh, four-string guitar. But I think it's more a four-string drum set. Yeah, okay. I love it's that. got strings. Right. But my, my test is like. The baritone guitar, which is an octave down just like bass guitar, but with those skinny strings, you ain't got the punch. It's a different thing. So you work it different. Now, uh, this band you had with your buddy, was it more, more of a prac band, a jam band? Did you try to learn songs off records like me and D. Boone, or were you guys composing right away, or were you no, helping we out were, other we were, uh, friends? Yeah. Like guitar players, yeah. singers? Totally. We, we, we had a band for a minute. We were called Splash the Cat and we were writing originals and we would occasionally do covers. But what was crazy what was like at a young age, we would we would book these shows. And I think this is like kind of what influenced like my my love for the music business side of things. But like we would book these shows uh, and we would have no fucking music prepared. We would book 45 minute sets. We'd invite all our friends down. And we would just we would just play bass and drums. I'd connect like the whole fucking wazoo of pedals of like the delay and distortion and wah and all that stuff. And we would just rip for like an hour and go nuts. And the kids loved it, man. It was it was a trip, oh, so really talking, experimental. In the moment, it was improvised. Hundred percent improvised. There was okay. no. There, okay. We even we would even do weird things where like intentionally we wouldn't talk to each other like a week leading up to the show just to see what would happen. When we when we got there to see like what were the first we wouldn't say a word band, as we were setting up. Do you remember this band Green on Red? That cat would like make up words fresh every time. I can't remember <laughs> I his name. That. I can't. Sam Watterson was in that band. I can't remember yeah. this guy's name, but their singer man always changed the words. He would. 
That's a, that's a trip. <laughs> he never had to set. No two had the same same words twice. You know, it always have every time they play a different trip around there. Uh, how long this last? Smash the cat. Yeah, Splash was oh, was Splash a while. That was like pretty. Yeah, it it was pretty much all the. That was like the high school band. You know, that was like those were the high school years. So, you were talking about getting into the music racket. Do you? Uh, is that what you do after high school, or do you go to higher education? Yeah, I, I did the higher education thing, and the guy that taught me how to play bass when I was taking lessons is this guy AJ Pappas, and he was playing bass for a blues guitar player named Papa Chubby. Oh yeah, I remember that cat. And Papa Chubby, funny enough, was like he was a New York guy that came out of like he played with Richard Hell yeah, and the Voidoid. Sure. Funny enough, but he had built this thing as like you know a New York City blues guitar player, kind of like Bam Bam Bigelow, this like bigger than life character. And when I was going to college, they would ask me, you know, hey, do you want to be you want to be the merch boy? You know, you want to come sell some T-shirts at the gig? And I said, yeah, of what course. What we say here in Pedro is, you want a slang? <laughs> exactly. So we were slinging it. We were slinging the merch. And uh, and what happened was, as I was going to college, getting the higher education, um, I learned how to shoot some videos, and 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 social media was just popping up. So what I did was. They would invite me to go sell merch, and then I would bring my camera and shoot videos and upload it to YouTube, and the videos would start getting people's attention, and that got the label's attention, and then the label brought me on to, to do some so marketing and all that actually, and work behind the scenes. Actually, you were kind of like uh, interning for promo without even knowing it, learning by doing. Uh, what? That's 100% it, man. That's been my whole life is learning by doing. Yeah. And instead of like having to bullshit your way in, they saw your the results of your work, and that's why they brought you aboard. It was awesome, man. It was a great experience. Yeah, and there's something that's a little more happening about that too. So you don't have to like you know get over. There's a, there's a kind of vibe like you got to fake people out to get with what you want instead of just doing what you do the best you can, and they they be into that. I think that bread van experience really helped me too, you know, like getting up in the night and putting in the work and doing it and, and just going with it. I think being able to, to go, you know, cause this chubby was touring, man. He, you know, we would go on like a, we went, I think on like a two month Europe run, European run where you're in a new city every night. It feels like someone hit you with a brick over the head cause you're jet lagged and you sleep three hours and you're on your way to the gig. It's like, I, I paid my dues at a young age just from working with my dad, and it, it trained me really quickly to be able to roll with it. Um, and I feel really grateful for that experience because I definitely think it influenced the music and the life beyond it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when do you start playing again? Like you gave me this music here, Curly Brown and Sick Walt. Sick Walt, came, Sick Walt came first. I mean, okay. I uh, – I, I did I st after that high school band I just sort of like I played a little bit here and there and then I tried doing the band thing like quickly out of higher higher education at college and I wasn't really feeling it too much it was too it felt too competitive you know it felt like I felt like I was in this beauty pageant or I was like a like a debutante ball or something like that you know it wasn't my it wasn't my thing so I just sort of tucked it away. And uh, and funny enough, Sick Wall is this awesome wild man in New York. And I was working at a record shop at the time, and he came in and he goes, "Hey, bro, where can I listen to my record?" And I said, "You can listen to it here, man. Throw it on. Let's listen to it." 
and we're playing it. I said, damn, this sounds good, man. He said, yeah, 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 it's great. I said, why don't you play at the shop? He said, I would, but we don't have a bass player. And I said, well, fuck it. I'll play bass, man. And he said, really? I said, yeah. So I joined the band, and that was probably about seven or seven years ago or something like that. I was probably towards my mid to late 20s then. And and uh, was and that, I liked it. Was the first What's gig that? at that record store that you did with them? I think it was. It may have been. It may have been. Yeah, it may have been. And and funny enough, what when yeah. when uh, when I was playing with him, that was when I was really starting to exercise my creative like music business mind. And I said, you know, man, you're a far out character. You know, I don't think you should go through the hustle of playing at the Bowery Ballroom or, or Mercury Lounge and trying to get people to pay fifteen bucks to come see you. Why don't you Why don't you play at a prison or something like that? And and he loved that idea, and he went through, you know, good on him. He went through the whole process and got me and the band and himself set up in the system. And sure enough, about six months later, we started playing prisons in New York. A prison tour. Prison tour, total prison tour. Prison. Yeah, we played a we played a women's we played a women's facility. I think it was the one that Orange is the New Black was based on, and that was a trip. Lot man, it was like you don't feel more alive than playing in front of. 150 women that haven't seen a man in a while, you know, playing thrash, thrash rock. It was, it was far out. And that was fucking sick. Walt's idea. No, that was your idea for him. And he got into it. It Yeah. 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 yeah, Exactly. But he did it. He put in the work and did it. And and we did a couple prisons and it was, it was a trip, man. And he wound up getting connected with Wayne Kramer. uh, Brother Wayne Kramer. Look, we're going to have to get to that because we're at the end of the first hour, February 5, 2023. Well, from Pedro, our special guest, Chris Pizzola. Hold tight for hour two. February 5, 2023. It's the second hour of the Watt Pedro Show.
that you're not the one you want You know that you're not the one you want I know that I'm not the one you want You know that you're not the one you want
Reagan and Oi. Yeah, they read like a textbook timeline from his shoulders down to his hands. It's the, the punk rock retired plan. Yeah, it's a Johnny Cash and Johnny Rotten, a Johnny Horton for Johnny Ramone. He's swapping out his records for something more down home. He likes a square dance instead of a slam dance. Well, that. 
he does is chase me around. I saw him the other day. Didn't have that much to say. I wished him well and I gave him a hug. He said goodbye and he gave me a look. I swear he was never the nice. I guess that's why we would fight. show second hour start off with Gemini season Curly Brown we had Tom Verlaine we just lost Tom Verlaine uh, Bomb this is him live at Quasimodo in Berlin on April 3rd 1987 his own stuff not TV Ain't that trippy TV same as his initials huh Bomb is printed after that time bomb I City after that Guided by Voices, Punk Rock Retirement Plan from the legendary Shack Shakers. Got Dwayne Dennison, I believe, on guitar. That project, he's a car- cargo cult, right? And uh, uh, alumni of uh, Jesus Lizard, yeah. Headboggle after that with Windsphere, Ray Shin, Seed Money, Curly Brown, who wants your money? So Curly Brown's the other one. That one came after. That's more recent. Curly Brown is what happened during the pandemic, man. I, you know, everything slowed down, and I had not as much going on. So I, I would shackle up in the in the little room in the in the apartment, and uh, and I would just record all all day. And I probably did about a hundred and something tracks during that during that time. It was a real cathartic outlet, and and uh, and so I decided to put out this music. You know now for the for the first time, sort of as myself. Whoa! So when you were composing the tunes, was it Man Alone? Man Alone, hundred percent. And then when I recorded it, I went to my buddy uh, Richie's place, Barking Dog, a little bit up north of the city in New York. My buddy Max Capshaw from Sick Walt played drums on on a lot of it. Him and uh, and my buddy Jeff Malone out in Nashville for some of it too. So both projects share the same drummer, man. 
For the most part, yeah. Most most of those tracks on the Curly Brown stuff is my buddy Max, except for uh, I think it was two songs. I go to Nashville a lot. Nashville's kind of like my home away from home. And uh, and when I went to Nashville, I said, fuck it, why don't I go to the studio for a day and take a couple of these bedroom demos and, and do them right? And my buddy Jeff played on that. And so, then it's me playing so guitar you, and bass got, and singing when, and all that. When you got the tunes together, you actually made demos for them. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I made the. I just kept making tracks without anything even in mind. You know, I just said, "All right, cool. It's Tuesday. Let's let's hit the old record button and see what happens." And, and what what do you got in your pad? You got a little uh, recording setup. Yeah, nothing fancy. It's like a you know simple interface. I got a couple of basses, couple couple guitars, and some pedals, and and then I use like a lot of like drum drum uh, programming stuff to uh, to kind of lay the foundation. I need I need to jam with someone. You know, for me as a I think coming up on bass, the rhythm is is the most important part of of the track for me. It's like the foundation of a building. So, I would just throw on some kind of drum loop and then and then tap into that sixteen year old improv show and just start making stuff up over it. And what about and the words? Words were always the hardest, but for some reason they came a little bit easier this time. Um, but they I would come maybe, after. They would come after the music. Always, always, yeah. It always came after. It always started with the drums and bass, or maybe the drums and guitar. And then, uh, and then the words came after, yeah. And then, like, did you write on demand, or do you have like a whole trove of words sitting in notebooks or shit? No, no, it, it all came on demand. And to, and you know, funny enough, there's a couple of tracks in there that that our mutual buddy Bob Forrest helped with. Bob uh, Forrest, people of Thelonious Monk, he's been on the show. Yeah, Thelonious Monster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, named after Mr. <laughs> no, I, I mean, named I, after I mean, Mr. Monk, but Thelonious yeah, Monster. Yeah. Bob Force and and Josh, uh, I think he's got a steady gig now because Dave just can't remember the parts for the Jane Addiction songs. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what happened with Dave, but but yeah, Josh is Josh well, is doing he, what that. What happened was he got over that sickness, but there's a some people have a long version of it and don't get let go, and he can't. Uh, yeah, it's, it's hurting his playing. So Josh, you know, he helped the Chili Peppers with a lot of stuff, and he's been a help to a lot of cats, and he's an incredible musician. But I know um, he got brought in with the Thelonious Monster Project too. They, we heard the whole story on that when they both were on the show. Yeah, yeah, and and a lot of the a lot of the playing, you know, like obviously I grew up on the on the Peppers. That was like a huge thing for me growing up. But um, Josh was really, you know, a silent influence on on all of these recordings because I I always loved, and I don't think he gets enough credit, but I always loved his um his tones and his sounds and. And how sort of like he's a little more Nels Klein, you know, and I think that John Frusciante is a little more Jimi Hendrix, and and I, I like I or, like that, or, you know. Or maybe uh, well, they all are into Jimmy, I think, but I I would say John a little more Hillel, little bit, little bit, totally. But you can yeah, tell Jimmy sure. Jimmy's and and Nels Klein would tell you this too. Jimmy's big influence. He's he's his shadow looms Boy. large on yeah a lot of creative guitars, bitching guy bitching guy uh he's up there with, with charlie christian you know and uh west montgomery and stuff look you gave me uh i want to play some more sick walt
deal. Hey, devil, you son of a bitch.
show that chunk of music started off sick walt doing hey devil leah reed after that with crumbs live this is new, this new music compilation that came out of this uh, gig up in eugene oregon uh yeah a bunch of uh very brave musical explorers got together to uh, convivi uh what's a banquet convivian latin word fuck something like that uh, Pedram Diba, after that, with for us, is our first universe. Aaron Blake, Storm King, Joshua Weitz, Playground. All this live, all from this gig. And then finally, Curly Brown with Golden. Let me ask you, Brother Chris, what about, the? you told me about the process with the Curly Brown, you know, you creating, making demos, showing them to your buddies. What was the process with the Sick Walt? Yeah, with Walt, uh, it was a lot more like a traditional rock band where we, you know, we we bunker up in the in the rehearsal space, um, and and you know one of the one of the cats, whether it was Matt or Max, um, would say, "Hey man, I got this riff," and we jam on it, and, and and you know, 
an hour later you got a song, you know, and, and that was really fun. And and what Sikwalt would come in with the words later on? Yeah, he would sometimes he would you know, sometimes he would let the band do their thing and just sort of meditate on it and yeah. and really take it in. You know, he kudos to him. He he really, really you know, he really thought long and hard about what needed to go where and, and took it really seriously. And I always loved that. And I think that influenced my thing too, you know, just watching him work and see him do his thing. Now, it was kind of like you guys would establish the, I don't know, mood or something with the music and they'd pick up on that. Or did he like, Hey, I want a song about the devil. Give me some music. How was it? Yeah, like? nah, nah, it was, it was definitely music first. And the, the, you know, Matt, Matt, the guitar player will come in with some, probably insane riff or some, you know, some line and Max, the drummer would get so fired up. And I mean, there's no one that hits a drum like, like Max Capshaw, man, that guy put his fucking foot through a concrete wall. If he could, you know, it's like, it's unbelievable. So, and that gets me fired up to just sort of like, you know, just punch it as hard as I could. So we'd have a fun thing. And I think, you know, Max, uh, Walt would be going through whatever he's going through and just, and just put it down and it, it would all just sort of come out and, and it would be that. So you're saying, th yeah, because, you know, I think drummers are more involved with composition than they're given credit for. You know, I bet buddies, oh, yeah, they just hold time and shit. But the, I mean, it's rhythm music, so they're a big part of it and stuff. So I, I understand what you mean about him. And especially if the drummer gets on board, it does make things more uh, righteous for the bass guy. <laughs> you know, it makes it. Uh, I mean, whenever you get more than one person playing, I think you're trying to make a conversation that's interesting and uh because you know an ensemble is that it's not a series of monologues that things are all happening simultaneously so you you are trying to get a conversation going and i know i know it's a little different because you can't be talking over each other but you kind of in music it's kind of like that you layer it up and you are talking over each other but you're also talking with each other that that's like a really fascinating part about the the solo thing too. the curly brown thing is you know how do you create a conversation with yourself you know and it's like part of it is you know you're half going crazy because you know imagine if you were to walk down the street and see someone you know having a conversation with themselves you'd say you know maybe maybe pepper them up with the with the straight jacket but but it's um it's a it's it's a trip man it, and it's it's uh i agree with you it's 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 definitely starts with the rhythm and 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 you know, it's uh, a lot of credit to Max for, for helping make this shit happen. I well, with really the agree. Curly Brown, it seems it was just springboard. It was starting point, the demos. They weren't, it wasn't like, hey, make it like this, guys. It was just like, I got an idea, kind of like, now, now what do you think? Now, what do you want to add? Am I, am I on the right track? I think so, yeah. It was, it was really quick. You know, it took a while to get it to where it is now just because of like timing and, and, and people not being able to, to maybe go where they wanted as much as they wanted, you know, a year or two ago. But, but um, yeah, it was more like, all right, here are these demos and they were pretty, you know, the structure was there for the most part. And I think if someone had ideas, it's, it's always, you know, I'm always a big fan of best idea wins, you know, and, and, and that, uh, that <laughs> I, was, a, that I think was that's a good policy, point. brother Chris. Look, we're at the end of the second hour, February 5, 2023. This what Peter suspects. Special guest, Chris Pizzolo. Hold tight for hour three. February 5, 2023. It's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro show.
inside I need something to hide from Everyone so done, so done I try to sympathize but I just can't get by Cause these times are no fun, no fun Baby, what's left to explain? I told you about all that pain from what's his name God, it was so much fun Baby, what's left to explain? I told you about all that pain From what's her name? Oh my God, it was so much fun I hate to say I told you so I wish you would have told me so But now I know I'm never broke And you never grow I wish you would have These times are no fun, no fun Baby, what's left to explain? I told you about all that pain from what's her name Oh my God, it was so much fun I hate to say I told you so I wish you would have told me so But now I know I'll never grow And you never grow I wish you would have
23rd edition of Jazz is Not Dead. Tonight we go back in time to the 3rd of July 1987 for this live recording from the Botanique in Brussels by Compaxident One, featuring Jeff Lee on tenor sax and vocals and computer programming, John Van Ryman on alto sax, and special guest Bayard Lancaster on featured alto saxophone solo. This is Dead Ducks.
William Bayard Lancaster, saxophones and flutes. John Van Rijmenant. Merci beaucoup.
Watford Pedro show third hour started off with Curly Brown. These times are no fun. Heard some noise over there in the starboard side of the country. Then we had uh, the march, or in parentheses, or Ornette went over to Cecil's house, but left after about ten minutes. This is from the Marmalotic Rascals. And we had the Lunar Asylum with Zerodian Bebop Compaxident 1. Something live. That's the name of a band, huh? Compaxident 1. The number, people. Dead Ducks is a tune. Curly Brown, finally. Burned, burnt out and happy. So, yeah, like both ends. Like there's a bummer song and there's a joy song. Seem to be out from the same situation, though, right? Because, like you said, you're in man alone mode. Hundred tracks worth of demos. What's next for you? That's a good question, man. I don't know. Uh, I'm Curly Brown. Well, I ask that because Curly Brown seems more of a recording project than a touring entity. Or, Or am I right? I think so. Yeah, maybe I'll do a show, man. I mean. Maybe I'll do one in New York and, and hop out west and do one and and then uh, and then maybe on to the next thing. Oh, so you think Curly Brown's done? I think so. I think I think it I think it was a time. I think it's a minute and and it's a it's an offering to everyone that that's been supportive. It's uh, you kind know. of a doc- I mean, maybe it comes back or maybe it doesn't. I don't know. It's kind of a document of that sitch, right? And and with uh, what about with I think uh, so. and with uh. Sick Walt? So Sick Walt and I and the guys, we sort of disbanded right before the pandemic. Walt's still doing his thing big time here in New York, and and he's crushing it. Um, But for me, I think it was one of those things where something had to give. It was either either my sort of – you know, mind for the for the industry side, the the background, the the behind the curtains, and and that was more important to me at the moment. So I I sort of slipped out gracefully. So he still got the same band, but without you. He now nah, he he moved around some some folks and some players. I think I think that twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty two thing really sort of put a wrench in the works for a lot of folks. And I think Walt was one of those cats that that experienced that. But you said he's back. But oh, he's got a new group of guys. He's got a new. Yeah, he's got a new pair of shoes. Yeah, he's got he's got a new band. Okay, okay. I got to check him out. I'm, I'm sorry to say that I ain't heard him yet. You know, but I'd love I'd love for you guys to talk, man. You'd love him. He's a great guy. You mean have him on the Watt from Pedro show? Man, if he could Skype in from Pedro, it'd be yeah, a blast. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. That, yeah, okay. We'll talk about that offline and stuff. Okay, let, 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 we got some. Uh, what do you got here? More Curly Brown. The winner runs done.
Chunk off with Curly Brown. Doing the winnings runs done. The real book from N to Z abridged by Sean Persinger is Prester John. He was on the show maybe last year. Good cat. Part one of three of Urgent in brackets yellow. This is Bob Stagner with Evan Lips and Mike Brigetta. Something they did with uh, their new project. I think uh, Evan Lips and Mike Baguette also are in that dumb shit youth with uh, Steve Gigante. Curly Brown, finally. Squeezing on my jacket. Jacket, you know, if you read James Elroy, jacket's like slang for, uh, I guess, your police record. But maybe you're talking about an actual, like a coat. Talking about the coat that that actually came out of a, that came out of a uh, that came out of a, a frustrating label experience where I put out a record with an artist and it's just a rough one man so the metaphor just squeezing on my jacket just pissed off walking well, out the door. Well, speaking of the racket, you know, and behind the curtain and all this kind of shit and that drama, uh, you know, you kind of got in at a time when the labels were going down anyway, right? I did. Yeah, man. I, and that was kind of like a, a blessing in disguise. Like 
you know, I was working, I'm a, I'm a digital whiz kid, right? So a lot of the stuff I do to, to pay the rent comes in from like that knowledge. But when the doors closed in 2020, for most folks, I was, um, I was looking to, to license that bicycle thief record with Bob Forrest and Josh Klinghoffer. And that just came about from watching a documentary on Bob that I had seen one night late. And I heard the music that I grew up on. I forgot about that record. We should tell tell listeners Bob Forrest, Thelonious Monster, people. Bob Forrest, yep, Thelonious Monster. And there's a there's a uh, there's a documentary called uh, I think it's called Bob and the Monster um, by Kuta Baruth. And uh, and I watched it one night, and I'm I heard all these bicycle. By the songs. way, there's a, it's the band or the proj. It's named after a bitchin' uh, movie made a couple years after the Second World War in Italy called The Bicycle Thief. That oh, movie's heartbreaking, man. That's a. It totally <laughs> is. I mean, his pop, right? He's got to look at his pop oh. at the end. There, it's like, oh fuck. Man, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, like some ways, seeing that, like, seeing the old man at like the docks waiting for the work, and that reminded me of like that bread van yeah. thing, you know. And you know, those none of those were pro actors. They're all amateur oh, people off the street. Well, it was you know after the war, everything had to be Econo. and then it, it got known as the new style, right? And so you see streetcar. Named Desired, like taking cues off of stuff like Bicycle Thief. But any, wait, what happened with the, this uh, license dealio? Oh, so what happened, man, was I was, I was, uh, I listened, I listened, like I, you know, I watched the, the movie on Bob and then it just kind of like reminded me of that great record that I came up on when I was in the high school band. And so, I, you know, digital kid, I went to Spotify, you know, to go listen to it and it wasn't there. And I said, well, how can that be? And so knowing what little I knew then, I said, well, let me, let me reach out to Bob on Instagram and see if I, if I could put out the record. So I, I sent Bob a message and said, Hey man, you don't know me, but I love this record. You know, can I put it out? And he wrote, okay. And little did I know, that's not how it works. You know what I mean? So I wound up having, I wound up having to get a crash course learning, learning the real way of, you know, how do you do it? And I, I wound up tracking down the original label that went out of business and then I had to find the label that they sold it to and then find out where that was. And funny enough, that record just happened to be sitting on like a digital shelf, you know, for, for almost 20 years untouched. And, and, uh, and so I, I got a hold of the folks and, you know, they, they said, uh, all right, if you're going to license it, you got, you know, you got to pay for it. And, and I did. And, and I, I made the record with my, my own hard earned, hard earned money. And, and I told Bob about it through Instagram and he and I had forged a little relationship and he had brought Josh into the equation. And those guys were really, really sweet, man. They were very kind to, to lend their time and, and, and be so willing and open to tell the story of that record. I, I feel like it, it finally had got the justice it deserved and, and got the light it deserved. And what I remember from their appearance on my show was, they might, were going to plan on doing some future Thelonious Monster. Yeah, right after that, Bob had done a new Thelonious Monster record that Josh had produced. Um, and then, you know, Josh got called on to some other gigs. But they they often talk about another Bicycle Thief record. I, I know it's something that, that will happen in this lifetime. They they definitely want well, to make it right. happen. I that think. Thelonious Monster was going to be Bicycle Thief. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they definitely want to make it happen. Josh is a busy guy, man, it seems like. Oh, yeah, very much in demand. Like I said, he's going to help the Jane's Addiction cats now. Perk, Perry, his date, you know, he's got the sickness, got to get healthy. But, you know, that's the thing about music, you know, the bottom of the ninth, pull it out, right? What do they call those that's guys? The guy closers? You yeah, that's closers. The guy you, want to yeah. <laughs> right. you need the closer, man. That's Josh who you, that, you know. is definitely yeah. a closer. He's a great cat. And uh, so if people want to know what you're doing, do you have a website or do you just go to those commercial 
like no. would you say no. Instagram yeah. and just the social just the social media Spotify. man if you if you want to okay. listen to it just um you know I'm on Instagram and but there's and Twitter no Chris there's no Chris Pizzolo because when you have your own website it's like having your own fanzine maybe one day you want to do that what you maybe, have? You did know you what? have a you know, son? my label my label and my my label and my company why it's called Immediate Family that's where that's where I do everything so if you want to if you want to find me all you got to do is look up immediatefam.net and that's where I'm at. Okay, you can find okay. Me right there's a website you can check out Chris's stuff, people. Immediate family. Uh, traditional spelling, right? Dot yeah, and then, on the, we- and, and then on the website, immediatefam.net. Oh, fam, not family. Okay. Immediatefam.net. A little brief there. And, uh, well, man, whatever you're doing next musically, ain't going to be fucking sick. Walt ain't going to be a curly brown, but it'll be something. And when you feel the hankering, Get it down. Get your buddies to help you record it, and then will you please come back on the show? We can listen to it. I love talk to. It. Okay, that's bitching, most bitching. Thank you so much, brother Chris, for coming on the show. People, it's been Thank the you. February five, twenty twenty three edition. Watt for Pedro show. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>